Hi, I'm Natasha. And I'm Penny. And you're listening to The Wibs, the podcast for women in business. We're here with practical, real advice to help you get ahead at work. Without the BS. We'll be the work wives you've always wanted. Let's go. Today, we are talking about the top three books you must read in your career. This one is, it's kind of an interesting one because obviously everyone has their own opinion on what the best books are, but I feel like these are really good general books that are going to help you out with your productivity, with your team, with your mindset at work, and it'll help you understand people a bit better and just be able to kind of have a little bit more insight into why you do the things that you do and how to improve them. Absolutely. And I do have something to admit just straight off the bat. I have not read any of these paperback. Like I used to back in the day read paperback, but I don't know. I'm an audible girl through and through now. I just can't change. I just can't change it. I don't care what anyone says. Audible books are the same as reading. I would like, you know, I'd love to say that I'm the person that's going to have all the time in the world to sit down and read a book cover to cover. We live busy lives, but I believe that upskilling yourself is important. And so if you can take it in, like, you know, on an audio book, why not? Still counts. Still counts. Still counts. Fight us in the comments. Still counts. <laughs> Start us off, Penny, with your number one pick. So my number one pick, cute story, I actually did read this cover back because my mum bought it for me, the sweetheart. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a big thing at work is an issue with productivity and how do you get the really chunky, hard things done. So my book that I'm recommending is Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy, and we will pop uh, links to all of these book recommendations in the show notes as well. I love the title already. Yeah, it's okay. So the concept of it is, and like I'm sure a lot of people listening to this won't be overly surprised, it's a pretty well-renowned book. But essentially, I guess if you talk about the, the meat of the book, the summary of the book is it's a productivity hack. So Eat That Frog is a time management strategy. So it's used to accomplish two main goals. One, to achieve constant progress to stay on top of your priorities and to make them easier to manage. So the idea of it is essentially build momentum into your daily schedule by taking away the most difficult or worrisome tasks on your agenda first. I like that. I think it's really hard sometimes when you're looking at your big to-do list and you're like, oh, where do I start? What do I do? Mm. But getting like the icky part out of the way kind of sets you up for doing the happier stuff when you're a little bit more tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of motivates you after. Because once you do that really annoying big thing that you're like, oh, I keep avoiding that. And I, I do this all the time, especially if you're working in a creative field and you're yeah. thinking about something or putting something off. It's like you hear a lot of authors saying this, like writing a book, sometimes it's about getting that shitty first draft out there, just starting something that's hard. So basically summary of this idea, put your hardest thing at the top of the to-do list, get it done, and your day will flow from there. I love that. I really, really like that. Mine's a little bit different. So mine's called The Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Else Smarter by Liz Wiseman. So the reason I loved this the most wasn't so much about the multipliers that they go into. It was the diminishers. And what they mean by that is the diminishes of a manager. So it kind of went into all the things that you might accidentally be doing that's kind of affecting your team. So the two that stood out for me that I realized, and it was kind of like a a mirror to my face when I read this, was one of them was the rescuer which is your intention is to ensure people are successful and you want to help them out. But the outcome is people become dependent on you, which actually weakens their ability to grow because instead of them learning for themselves, they're kind of looking to you to rescue. When I read that, 
this was, you know, in my early days of management, I really, really thought I was helping by jumping in and just being that helping hand. And just reading this, I thought, of course, like it was kind of, it was a mirror to my face. I feel like that's, that's such a common one, especially when you're a really caring person. You want to jump in and help. You want to be able to get the job done, but it's so cool to be able to have it like a book like that to be able to kind of guide you. It's very similar to what we were talking about with like new managers yeah. a few weeks ago. It's almost like a, yeah, a slap in the face a bit. The other one that really resonated with me was the pace setter. So your intention for that is to set a high standard for the quality of pace. So, you know, always setting the standard. I was always like, okay, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And I thought it was motivating, but the outcome is people can become spectators or just give up when they can't keep up. And I, I really understood that because sometimes you're just trying to motivate, do this, do this, do this, do this, but everyone's got their own stuff going on. They've got their own workload. They've got their own way of working. And sometimes if you're bolting past them in your own way, it can be a real demotivator instead of a motivator. Yeah. It's funny because there's ones like the optimist. So to create a belief that the team can do it, the outcome is that people kind of just think that you're always positive regardless of what's happening and they can't appreciate that, you know, there's a possibility of struggle or the possibility of failure because you're always like, no, everything's good, everything's good. So, yeah, I would definitely, especially if you're a new manager, this book completely changed how I look at things and it it really made me look critically at myself as a manager and it gives you tips on how to offset the potential diminishes that you're experiencing. Wow. Okay. I haven't read that one yet, but I really want to. You've convinced me now and I'm sure that it'll highlight all of my spectacular flaws. I can't wait. (laughs) That's part of it. But no, I like it. I like books that kind of distill who you are or the the tendencies that you do and then are able to kind of tell you how to resolve it, how to move past it. Okay. So the third book, and this one is a personal favorite of mine. I feel like it would fit into two categories. There's like the work professional side of things, but there's also an element of personality trait and understanding who you are. So it's called The Four Tendencies and it's by Gretchen Rubin. So I think she did a book a few years back and I can't remember the the exact name. I think it was about like tidying up or, or something like that, about setting like your workplace in your day. It was mm-hmm. a real bestseller. And then she brought out this book. And for me, it really, really resonated because what it does is it divides people into four distinct types. So there's upholders, there's questioners, there's obligers, and there's rebels. And yeah, it's really cool. And I feel like it's awesome because when you see yourself in one of them, it's great for a a way to be able to understand yourself. But when it comes to a work setting, it, it really helped me to better understand different types of people I work with and how I don't there is a thing at work and I think this is a thing in, in life in general where you would assume that everybody might see the world the same way as you. And that's just not true. And, you know, in the world, you can curate your life to avoid, I guess, opinions or people that don't gel with you. Yeah. But at work, you can't. Well, that's not really your bag. You so. have to adapt. Exactly. So for me, as a leader, as a manager, or even as a coworker, this book could be useful for anyone because it helps you find ways to optimize your relationships with other people. And that's what it's all about because you find a way that other people like to work and you can understand that. And then you can understand how you like to work, which I don't think everyone is that introspective to be able to understand that. Yeah. And that's the word. I think the thing about these books 
especially the last two, is it kind of gives you that introspective look that sometimes when you hear it from other people, I don't know. I don't know how everyone listening takes criticism, but it's a very rare person. Don't love that, it. Yeah, there's a, it's a rare person. It's like, oh, yay, give me heaps of negative feedback. I love it. Even if it's constructive, I try to get better with it. But, yeah, it is a really hard to take criticism. So sometimes when you're reading it and you're like, well, this is me, well, this is me, well, this is me, and then you read the conclusions like this is what this means, you're like, oh, (laughs) oops. But it gives you a tool on how to work with and how to better yourself or help you find a way to work better with other people, which I find really important. For me, this book in particular, and from the sounds of it, it sounds like yours as well, Tash, that you've recommended, they're almost like a distilled version of like a disc profile analysis. Like they're telling you what your traits are, who you work well with, how you can work better with people that you find it difficult to work with, and basically how you can maximize your relationships with other people because if you don't have people and you don't have a, a good relationship with your team and your network, you're not going to be able to get anything done. Yeah, and you mentioning DISC profile, oh, my goodness. We only brought that in probably when you started, actually. It was like something that we had kind of learned from another person that we'd met, part of the business network, the EO network that I had spoken mm. about previously, and they said to try this profile and there's a free one that you can get. I'll put the link in the show notes because I know that disc profiles can be quite expensive, but it was hugely beneficial for our team and especially as we were scaling during COVID for us to understand different disc profiles, how people are, how people are when they're stressed mm. and how to deal with it. It's a little side hack, but... It's a really, really strong management tool that we utilize in our workplace. Yeah, and for those that don't know, a DISC profile is essentially a personal assessment tool that is essentially designed to help you improve your teamwork, your communication, your productivity in the workplace. So there's lots of different versions of them, big personality type sort of thing. Yeah. No, I thought it was really, really, really interesting. And just to let you know, Penny, it was probably the highest I I've ever seen in my whole entire life. It was like all I, <laughs> which is, which is stands for influence, which is probably exactly what you want to be. My S and C were like the lowest I think anyone's ever seen as well, which is pretty much if you're good at Maintaining attention for longer than 10 seconds, that's essentially you'd be a high Were SC. you a high D? Yeah, yeah, I was D. And I, Dominant oh, a little bit of I, a little bit of I, hopefully. I was, I was really hoping for some I there. But, yeah, there's no SC. There's benefits to everything. So with all of these books, especially the ones that categorize people, there's no such thing as a, a bad personality nah. type or a bad working style. It's just different. And so we hope that these books are tools that help you work better with people, find out things about yourself, and be able to get shit done. Absolutely. So if you liked this episode, please rate us, please subscribe, please follow us on Instagram. The support so far, I cannot thank everyone enough. I am so grateful. And I know, Penny, you can say. Absolutely. We are so grateful. We both, like, you don't understand. Every single like, every single, like, we, we scream. Like, every single time we say one, it is the most exciting thing in the world. So please, please, I can't tell you how important it is for us. Yes, thank you so much. And please tune in next week. We will see you then. Bye. Bye.